Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, is Mr. Dominic Stern. What's going on, Dominic? How are you uh, enjoying your vacation time away from ASU? Well, I'm certainly a lot more relieved now that my semester is over. A lot less work is on my plate. So I've just been enjoying myself. Not too stressful right now. Wish I was able to watch some Potters baseball, but... Aztecs basketball has been on, so that's been yeah. something for me to watch here. And yeah. football's been pretty good lately, so I, I'm yeah. doing pretty well. How are you? How are you holding up? Yeah, same holding up. You know, it's not the same seeing those Padre, uh, you know, rewind games that they show on Fox Sports West or whatever. You know, I mean, I occasionally tune in to get my little baseball fix, if you will, but it's just it's just not the same as seeing a live game. Uh, watching some of the winter. Uh, the winter stuff in the DRs is pretty cool. The energy that the Dominicans and, and the players show uh, that participate in the winter leagues over there is awesome. I mean, just the emotions that they they just invoke. It's it's uh, it's fun to watch it and and seeing some of the American players, uh, you know, intertwine with them, if you will. It's cool, and we we bought a membership, so we've been watching some games. We we need to do a little bit more reporting on those, but. It's been entertaining, especially watching the clips on Twitter. Saw Jorge Mateo hit a home run the other day. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're, he's looking good. It, it seems like they have a they have a lot of confidence in him, and we'll see. Perhaps the Garcia release had to do with Mateo and his ability to play second base. I don't know. We'll get into that uh, a little later, but let's bring in our our guest. Uh, Mike Ursery is here. One of our writers has been with EVT for a long time, almost since the existence of the site. Uh, does a lot of writing, editing. Uh, kind of mentoring for the younger writers and, and contributors. It's a, it's a joy to bring Mike's kind of flair to, to the podcast. So uh, what's going on, Mike? How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, awesome. Just uh, waiting for the next Padre news. It's supposedly going to drop soon any day now, right? We're waiting for that next trade, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the winter meetings just started today. Um, no news yet, but no. we still have the rest of this week. We have until what? Friday, right? Is it Thursday or Friday that they end? I think it's technically Friday, but everything kind of wraps up on Thursdays. How it goes? Okay, right. It's it's odd being that it's a Zoom type of thing, and I, I don't know. We'll have to see if it, if it adds to more deals or less deals, or we'll have to see. There there hasn't been any major major moves. Uh, Hunter Renfro signed today with the Red Sox, which we can discuss for a little bit. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting move. Uh, good for good for Renfro. He gets to stay in the AL East. And and possibly uh, earn a paycheck. He's still young enough to produce. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. What do you think about the the Red Sox acquisition of uh, of Mr. Renfro? Well, Hunter Renfro was one of my favorite Padres when he was in his yeah. tenure here in San Diego. There at the time, there wasn't a whole lot to to cheer for except for in his last year. So I loved his his swag in the outfield and like his his home run jog was pretty awesome to me. And he just hit bombs, struck out a lot. I actually like the fit for him in Fenway because, I mean, we know he's a really good right fielder, and I feel like that right field, there's a ton of room to run for him. He can make some pretty cool plays out there. 
and also has a power hitting right-handed bat. He can hit some moon shots of the green monster. So I'm excited to watch what he can do there. I mean, he had a really bad second half of the 2019 season after being really good in the first half of 2019. And then he struggled to put the ball in play in 2020 for the Tampa Bay Rays. So we'll, we'll see how it goes in Boston. I think expectations are going to be pretty low for them coming into the year, except for their delusional fan base who probably thinks they're going to make the playoffs for some reason. But <laughs> I look forward to watching him because he should be getting some more playing time there than he would for a team like the Padres or a team like the Rays. Uh, I get I get what you're saying about Renfro, but you know the the bat speed and and the power is just unreal from him. I mean, just seeing batting practice sessions from him, he, he just hits the ball harder and longer than than most do. But it's it's always going to be the the hard breaking stuff that gives him the, the 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 issues. You know, he can crush left handed pitching, but unfortunately, the majority of major leaguers are right handed and. You know, I wish him the best. He was always very cordial to me. He was also always awesome talking, had no problems interviews and no problems giving quotes. Uh, you know, I wish him the very best. And, and he is a homegrown Padres, so you always have a your heart uh, kind of rooting for the guy, right? Um, Mike, give us your take on, on Renfro real quick before we uh, we move on. Well, I don't necessarily like the move for Boston. I I mean, I don't hate it, uh, but now I am happy that he found a home. But, you know, this season at Boston, you're going to get typical Hunter Renfro. You're going to get the guy who who matches some bombs, has an awesome bat flip, but he strikes out a lot. And just like you were saying, he had a great first half last season, terrible second half last season. That is typical Hunter Renfro. And I foresee the same thing happening again in Boston. Yeah, that's it's sad, but it that you know, player's track record kind of just speaks for itself. You know, we, yeah, hopefully he figures it he figures it out. Um, yeah, but he's just always going to be that right-handed power hitter who can just kill yeah. left-handed pitchers. And you know, I liked Renfro a lot when he was here, but he was just so frustrating. You know, it yes. was just he would strike out at terrible times. Yeah, if he's either going to hit the ball in the air or he's going to ground out in the infield i don't know like very rarely does he get a hit that's not a home run the, it, the defense from him was frustrating as well because he looked yes. horrible at times but then he other times he looked like he knew what he was doing yeah it, but in 2019 <laughs> they, he he turned it on and actually freaking stuck him out in center field because he actually showed some improvement in, in route reading and stuff so it, it it's it's one of those players yeah. that he's going to need need needed and i, I mean that's yeah what makes a true yeah. major leaguer is consistency and he's just not showing it. So, well, it is. I guess, I guess he could fit in AL East. I mean, he did practically last year with Tampa Bay, but you know, again, this year with Boston, he's either going to be, he's either going to be your starting right fielder or he's an option off the bench late in the game. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. either that or he's going to like platoon with somebody. I don't know. I'm not sure how their roster is looking for the season. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what Boston has, but I'm sure he's going to play the field because he's got the rocket arm and, and he's right field is, is kind of funky out there in Boston. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's move on to some more major league baseball news before we uh, hit Padre stuff. Uh, the Cleveland Indians are no more, which is kind of weird. Uh, Mike, you're an, you're an older gentleman like myself. You know, I, I, I think of the major league movie and stuff like that. And it's, it's, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I know. I know it's right, but it's still strange. So it's, it's going to be weird. Um, you know, I saw people complaining about the whole major league thing, which I think is incredibly stupid. Those movies are still going to be out there. You can still watch them. They're not. They're not going to pull those. Uh, frankly, I think there would be a revolt if they ever tried. <laughs> but well, I um, mean, in this day and age, how could you? I mean, they're, they're yeah. streaming everywhere. They're they're, and, they're 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 there. And like and like the crazy thing too is like, I see people who don't care at all about the Cleveland Indians getting upset about this all of a sudden, like someone like never mentions the Indians ever. All of a sudden you see the headline Cleveland's going to drop Indians from their name and they just get upset. First of all, Cleveland's going to do what Cleveland's going to do. It's their franchise. Let them do it. Second, it doesn't matter. It's just a name. And it's insensitive. I mean, look at the Redskins set the precedence on that or the Washington football club, I should say. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just in this day and age, you guys just got to do things that are are right. I mean, there was back in the day, there was a baseball team called the crackers and there, there were other insensitive names that were used for professional teams. And it is time to change that. I mean, and like I say, and, give me, give and, me your view, Dominic. You're, you're young, you're a young guy. You know, this is your generation. What, what are your thoughts on this? Is it a big deal, or, or, or just old guys just, you know, pointing at the clouds and, and yelling and screaming? I mean, the way that I look at it is, this was kind of long overdue, and, and there's nothing wrong with admitting that this is going to be weird. Because I mean, I've followed baseball for over ten years now. It's going to be weird that they're no longer called the Indians. However, the, the fact of the matter is, is that they're depicting the, the whole Indians franchise is them depicting Native Americans who are not Indians. Indians are from India. So the whole thing is just wrong. <laughs> they needed to change it. I'm glad they're finally doing this. Uh, yeah. the, the Redskins needed to go first. So they're now the football team. They're also in first place, by the way. Shout out to the football team. So I'm glad that the Indians are, are doing this decision. I, I hope they choose the spiders. Uh, it's my personal yeah. favorite or, or the rocks. Uh, Cause of the hall of fame. <laughs> rocks. <laughs> but, uh, or, or my, my friend told my brother this, they should just become the Padres because they have like half of our roster at this point. Uh, so Genius. that, that would be Padres Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, yeah. And well, you know, um, earlier when I was saying it doesn't matter, um, as far as people getting angry, like, I don't understand why you're getting angry because if like, as long as they do go forth and take the name Indians from their franchise, the sun's still going to come up tomorrow, guys. Yeah. Relax, calm down, enjoy life. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the San Diego Padres and the fact that Franciscan monks don't necessarily have a, uh, a celebrated history in the state of California. I mean, how long is it before the Padres get some kind of pressure or some kind of movement put on them to change? I think it's not too far down the line. I think the the first thing that come will be more people starting to question the mascot, uh, the swing fryer, kind of, you know, like the big guy that kind of, I love the swing and fire too. Yeah, I know. I mean, he's awesome, but like at the same time, it's like, well, uh, those people would just walk into these tribes in throughout the state of California and just kill them and enslave them to build them their missions and serve them. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) what a downer, Dominic. (laughs) I'm sorry. It seems like I'm that guy on this podcast, but but that is the truth. That is the truth. 
I, I don't know what 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 can what's the alternative is the the missions the the friars the the, the friars is missions probably... i think would be a ripoff of san antonio to be yeah. honest with you yeah yeah I, I, the prestidio i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> probably probably go with like the waves or something waves. something, oh, no. something. No, no, no no that would be no, to Cleveland no. rocks to me san diego oh. would do that too san diego would pick a generic name like that yes just, they would they just would. leave the padres and call it good i mean has has that name ever really been at the center of controversy like these no. other team names no, no, no. I mean, no but, one, no one ever pays attention to them. Let's not start bringing attention on them. Now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're probably promoting something that shouldn't be promoted. Yeah, we're probably, we're probably going to start another uh, dihydrogen, dihydrogen monoxide controversy. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll we'll move on from the topic. Uh, it, it's just uh, the Indians. It's going to be, it's going to be silly seeing seen the, the the spiders or the rocks out there but it's it's the generation uh, the future that we live in we're progressing as as human beings so and but i also think this is really good timing for it because if you're a cleveland fan all of a sudden they change the name they change they change the logo they change the hat what are you going to do you're going to buy new merchandise yeah, for the team exactly. and all these exactly. teams are struggling financially after the 2020 season. This is a perfect wow, time to do it. If you are the marketing, marketing blockbuster here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, obviously they're not doing it for true, that though. reason, but if, they, if, if they've been under pressure and I think the football team might've done the same thing. Now they were also under pressure for some other stuff this off season too. So I mean, this is good timing hey, wait, for Cleveland. What team are you talking about the Browns? No, the Washington football team. Oh, they yeah. Well, why didn't they change, put a, get, choose a logo already or choose a, a, a mascot? I mean, what do they? I've heard I that they know. like it. I've heard they like it because you know it's, they, like it's, a it's, an, it's an identity. They don't have a logo. They just have a W and then their numbers on the helmet. It looks cool. It it feels like it just feels they're different. They're you know the Washington here's, football. Here's <laughs> my problem. Here's my problem with the Washington football team. Um, so, um, do you understand the rules of a monogram? Hmm. Rules of a monogram. If you have three letters that, well, say you have, um, no, I'm sorry, three letters that are three initials for three words. If you have them all the same size, then you have them go in the order, you know, first name, middle name, last name. But uh-huh. if the, if the, middle letter is bigger than the other two you go first name last name middle name so if you were to make a monogram of the washington football team you're gonna get wtf (laughs) that's my problem with washington football team Well, I kind of, kind of think what the fuck when I, when I talk to the, when I look at the Washington football team. But I am kind of thinking WTF because they're first place in the East. What are they like? What six and seven now? God, is that what the, is that what's going on in football? They dropped Redskins from their name and now they're good. And they've won five straight games. That makes. Are me- they six and seven? They're six and seven yeah. on the year. Uh huh. They're in the first place in the NFC East. What the hell is going wrong in the NFC East? Nothing about that division ever makes any sense, ever. All right, well let's 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 move on to some Padre talk since we've we've hit about everything else. Um, 
where, where do we start here? Dominic, start us off on something because we, there's plenty of uh, Padre topics to talk about. Well, we could start with the non-tendering of Greg Garcia, the tendering of Tommy Pham, extending okay. a contract to Matt Strom. That's sort of the deal. So let's start with Greg Garcia because he's obviously like the most prominent, the fact that he's no longer with the Padres. What did you guys think of that non-tender and how do you think the Padres either replace him or if they just go in-house with someone to kind of serve as that utility infielder that Greg Garcia served as a bat off the bench in the 2019 and 2020 season? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's. I think the writing was on the wall in the playoffs when they left him off the roster in the Dodger series, which was a big surprise to me. I don't know. The Padres seem to sour on players and then they're done with them. They did the same thing with Garrett Richards where they just kind of lost interest in him and they were just done. And it's tough to say what it was with Garcia. I know they brought him in for a lot of mentorship roles. I know Ty France uh, praised him and, and talked about Garcia and how he worked with him on being prepared to play multiple positions and be prepared to be a bench player and, and, and in that role. And, and Garcia was certainly valuable in, in that regard. He had an excellent 2019 year. I can't quite remember what his statistics were last year. They weren't overly impressive, but I think Cronenworth took a lot of his time away. Uh, I think it was just came down to dollars and cents and the fact that they could fill his his role with Mateo, someone who can play the outfield as well as second base. Uh, they didn't necessarily need Garcia at short or, or third anymore where, where Machado can can, uh, can play short if Tatis goes down. It, it, it's just a numbers crunch more than anything. I think they just moved on from him. Um, well, what are your guys' thoughts? Well, I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't bring him back because, like, one, he was so well-liked in the clubhouse and – like, I know that being well-liked doesn't keep you around, but he was just so reliable all the time, you know, as a utility guy. I mean, whether he had to make a spot start or if he was a late inning replacement, he was a pinch hitter, whatever, you put him in any role and he delivered. And, you know, I was actually pretty happy whenever the Padres got him because I watched him play for a while in St. Louis. And, you know, I, I thought that we, that we were getting a, you know, a pretty good player. So I'm actually kind of surprised that he's not coming back, but uh, I guess maybe they'll look at an internal option because I mean, the roster isn't going to shift much, but it is going to shift a little. Um, maybe, maybe Jorge Mateo probably assumes the role Garcia was playing before and they just yeah. find ways to bring his speed into games. I don't know. Interesting. I think that the, the fact that they brought back Strom, and Fam were no brainers. I think a lot of people were speculating that they might let Fam go with the injury and the the strip club stabbing issue. And and but I, I think Fam brings a lot to the team. He brings a lot of accountability to these players. And I think that that's something that's really valuable. Whether or not he performs, uh, we're going to hope to that he he's able to justify his his contract. But I think he's sort of like a, a policeman inside the dugout and inside the locker room from what I've heard and what I've gathered that he demands these guys to put in an effort when they show up in the, cl in the clubhouse and in, in and around the field. And that's, that's rare this day and age. So I, I really do like what I see and hear from, from fam. Um, Stram is, is a, a left-handed versatile pitcher. You definitely got to bring that back. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that Garcia, 
must have worn out his welcome in some some regard. I, again, I, I point back to Garrett Richards and the fact that they didn't utilize him in the playoffs when they were so desperate for starting pitching. And it just, I, I kind of scratched my head, but I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to explain uh, the actions of this team sometimes. Yeah, and luckily, I think they did make the right decision in keeping Tommy Pham and keeping Matt Strom. I mean, Matt Strom's been the most dependent left-handed reliever over the past couple of years. And then, you know, we brought in Drew Pomeranz last year, and he, of course, assumed that role over Matt Strom. But Strom's been very consistent. He comes into tight situations, does his best job to keep it out. I mean, he had like a 2-4 ERA last year, so certainly worth keeping around. Now, hopefully guys like Jose Castillo can come up. Murray Hone can be a little bit more consistent next year, whether he's going to be out of the bullpen or as a starter for the team is yet to be determined. Uh, Ryan Weathers, they got guys. I mean, they want Mackenzie Gore to be a starter, but that, that's definitely another left-hander arm. So I'm not sure how much longer Matt Strom's tenure in the San Diego Padres uniform is going to be, but bringing him back in the 2021 season was certainly the right decision. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, just left-handed pitcher, again, like I say, versatile. It's just, it's pretty much a no-brainer. Speaking of left-handers, the Padres signed a left-handed outfielder by the name of Brian O'Grady. Gave him a major league deal, which was kind of, I don't want to say strange, because they do have room. They do have a need to fill the upper minor leagues and the number four or five uh, outfield spot with someone who is left-handed and shows a decent on-base percentage, if you will. And O'Grady seems to fit that uh, label. But um, give me your guys' thoughts on O'Grady. I know we don't know too much about him. I know that we've done a little bit of digging here and there. But uh, give me your thoughts on, on O'Grady. Uh, Mike, first off, what do, you, what, what do you think of the signing? Actually, I should say, I didn't really know too much about him um, whenever they did sign him. In fact, whenever I saw the tweet, and my my first thought was, who? Yeah, so, exactly. I think everybody's, um, but you know, here's my thought. Why are they signing outfielders? They just extended fam. Um, you're going to have Grish in center. You're going to have fam in left. You'll have Myers and right. Oh gosh. We have Onya. We have, we have plenty of outfielders. Why is he signing an outfielder? Yeah. I, I think it was more, you know, he, it's he depth. Has is it, is it depth? Okay. He has options. Um, so he can be, he can start in triple a, he can, conceivably play the whole year in triple a so yeah but i mean do we really need depth on the 40 minute outfield though yeah that's what it is you never know what Preller's doing that might be a sign that he's shopping an outfielder i i really i, I don't know i don't know there's you can't figure this team out dominic no you can't your thoughts on, on, on o'grady uh and this kind of head scratching move i mean it does make sense but it is kind of just kind of weird I think this is a pretty good signing for us, actually, because uh, I like to have a left-handed outfield bat on the bench, a right-handed outfield bat on the bench, mm-hmm. an infielder that can play anywhere, which is basically Jorge Mateo, and then a catcher on the bench, which is probably Francisco Mejia, if not someone else that we acquire or something like that, or even Campusano. So I think O'Grady definitely fits that left-handed bench outfield bat. Preller said that he could see him playing uh, a bit more serving as just an outfielder in general, especially with Tommy Thames uh, becoming a free agent next off season. I, I personally would see Jorge Onya sliding in at that spot, but O'Grady, he's not going to be free agent until 2027 of this current contract. So I think this has some decent potential. I saw the term being thrown around on Twitter just by people. Uh, they called him Walmart Jock Peterson 
because I mean, he obviously doesn't have that Jock Peterson stature yet, but I mean, you, you saw that one swing that he put on in spring training last year against some Washington nationals pitcher. He has a very similar swing to Jock Peterson where he kind of, he opens the hips. He's going to just crush the ball if he pulls it and has some decent right center field pop that's going to strike out. At least that's what it looked like. Had some pretty good minor league numbers. I don't see why this isn't worth taking a shot at to serve as a depth outfielder because the Padres traded away a lot of their depth at the trade deadline. And now that's certainly one of the weaknesses of the team. I think Brian O'Grady can certainly slot in as that depth guy that can play in an outfield position as a backup, maybe give Tommy Pham a day off in left field or something like that. Yeah. It, again, the, the Padres are hard to, 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 to understand. I mean, the parlor seems to be making moves three or four moves ahead. I and mean, he's like a chess player out there and, and it's, you can't really understand what he's trying to accomplish uh, sometimes, but it's, it's interesting. Uh, let's move on to uh, Machado. Manny Machado had eye surgery this, this week. You think, that's going to improve his uh, his bat, or, or is that just kind of a silly thing to even think about? I mean, I don't see why it couldn't. I mean, LASIK surgery is supposed to make your vision basically perfect. So I, I don't see how this could impact him negatively. I can only see this as a positive thing or maybe something that doesn't uh, hurt him at all. Now, I mean, I personally don't know about Manny Machado's, you know, vision, what it was at. But I know that as a defender at the hot corner, he has pretty good reaction. Uh, you never really see pitchers blow fastballs by him. You see him take some really close pitches uh, at the plate. He is pretty solid plate discipline. Now, I mean, if you throw a good slider that breaks off the plate to him from a right-handed pitcher, he'll chase it from time to time. But discipline hitter, really good reaction at third base. I would generally just like to think that he already had good vision. And if this makes him have even better vision, watch out. Because, I mean, he just finished third place in the NL MVP voting. He's without a doubt one of the best players in all baseball, has been for the last couple of years with an off year in 2019. I think Manny Machado, this could just help him. This could help him certainly retain the MVP candidate status, uh, maybe even win the NL MVP in his next eight years as a San Diego Padre unless he opts out after that fifth year. Yeah, I mean, laser eye surgery uh, should improve his <laughs> I, his sight, he seems to be a man on a mission right now, though. He really, you know, after getting comfortable his first year, he seemed a lot more focused last year. I think that uh, Tatis is really pushing him uh, to be the best that he can be. Um, I expect big things from him. He's definitely justifying his contract. And it, it, it's just, it's nice to have that solid left side of the infield and, and to be able to depend on them for sure. Um, let, let's move on to some uh, some topic uh, or a topic that's that's I think every Padre fan is kind of clamoring at, and that's starting pitching. Where are the Padres going to get the starting pitching for twenty twenty one? Mike Clevenger went down. Uh, Dominic and I kind of vented on that on our last podcast. Kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of, James. Uh, I think you went on for maybe a good like five minutes straight about that. It was, yeah. it was beautiful. It, it was long. It was long. It was so good. I had to rewind and listen to it again. It yeah, was a lot it was of just beautiful. A lot of, a lot of people uh, contacted afterwards and were pretty happy with my rant. Uh, I guess I should do that more often, uh, but I, I generally try to stay composed. 
but I, I was generally pissed. I mean, that was recorded within hours of us both realizing this and we were just pissed because we had both talked about him and not exposing him to this type of risk. Let's not, let's not rewind. Uh, we're, we're trying to talk about uh, 2021 and bringing a pitch. Clevenger's obviously not going to be there. Denelson Lament has issues. Where is this team going to get pitching? Talk to me about that. Oh, boy. Um, well, the good thing is Preller has options. He has not really a deep pitching free agent market. Honestly, I think the only free agent he really has in his mind, I'm hoping, is Trevor Bauer. But, you know, signing Bauer, whether it be one year or a long-term deal, however they, however he decides to do that, I would be very happy with. They can promote someone internally. You know, Morhone has gotten some experience. Um, he's gotten stretched out. He can go. I mean, well, he didn't really pitch any more than, like, what, 41 pitches last season. But I think that now they can let him go, start letting him go a little deeper in games. Uh, Patino got some experience. Uh, Gore is expected to make his debut. Now, Gore is not going to immediately slot in at number one. But, I mean, he'll have some growing pains, but he's going to show some good things when he does get yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so they could do that, or they could they could make a trade. Um, you know, there's a there's a few names on the trading block. Uh of course, they've been connect. They've been rumored to Blake Snell. There's another rumor of not really connected to the Padres, uh, but supposedly the Reds have Sonny Gray on the trading block. I would be yeah. upset if the Padres did that, but that's an option. So you know, there are some things that they can do. There are. It's it's just again, you you hope that they don't choose wrong, like choosing Clevenger over Lynn last year. I mean, can you yes. imagine if they traded for Lynn paid less and actually got innings out of him in the playoffs, uh, a horse that wants that just eats up innings. Well, I mean, hindsight is 2020. Of course we can't sit here and, and complain at the time. It, it was awesome to bring in Mike Clevenger and his ability. Yes. It, it's just, it's frustrating because you don't want them to make, you don't want them to trade for you Darvish and Darvish blow out his arm and have to have yep. a second Tommy John surgery and essentially ending his career and still, Oh, I don't even know what he's owed over the next couple of years, but he still owed a, a pretty penny. So they're going to have to be really wise in this acquisition because the Clevenger addition really, it hampered them. They lost a lot of trade chips. They lost him for this coming year and they're paying him. So, I mean, they're, they're, it's a, it's a triple, it's a triple get They're They're triply getting fucked by this deal. I mean, that's where we are now. And it, that's what happened. Again, I'm not complaining because they made the deal. The deal was fair at the time. It, it made sense. They needed to pitching. They made the deal, but now is what you have to deal with the reality of now. And right now that deal really hampers them. So, I don't know. There, there are options out there. Gray scares me. I think, like you say, because you don't know necessarily, is he going to be the Yankees gray or is he going to be the Reds gray or, you know, how is he going to perform? Well, and one thing about Sonny Gray is that when he was with the Yankees, who was his pitching coach? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing. Yeah. I, that is, makes a lot. Yeah. I'm still not sold on Rothschild. I, I'm, Honestly, in case anyone missed it, Larry Rothschild was the pitching coach for him in New York. And now he is a San Diego Padres pitching coach. And he posted a career worst 4.9 ERA in 2018 with the Yankees under Rothschild. And then the year he left 2.87 ERA in Cincinnati 
and then a 3.70 yard last year. So yeah, Sonny Gray, all the talent yeah. in the world. But some pitchers just can't pitch in New York. I mean, Randy Johnson couldn't pitch in New York. I mean, some pitchers just yeah. can't perform in that stage with the media on you. I mean, the San Diego media is 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 pussycats compared to what you get in New York. Yes. I mean, you yes. you even sneeze in the wrong direction in New York, and they are on you. And and here it's just in Cincinnati and and in cities like that, the pressure is just not there as it is in New York or. LA sometimes or Chicago or, or Boston. And, and that's just, that's reality. And that's just the facts. So I, I don't know. Again, you don't want to overpay for, for a pitcher that can conceivably blow up at any time. Pitching is really tough because you never want to pay for what a pitcher's value was. You never want to pay for who no. was, you want to pay for who they are and who they're going to be. No. And quite often teams get stuck paying because a, play a, a pitcher performed well for five six years and then they become a free agent and then you give them the big dollars and then they take a shit and that's kind of what happens yeah. well you know the padres and the reds have been trade partners in the past um yes but like what would you give up for Sonny gray because i have a feeling that the reds are going to value him as the guy who threw a 2.9 era in 2019 um yeah. you know 2020 was just such like a wonky year for a lot of people um, that I feel like, you know, like there are some people like, for example, Clevenger this season had his worst numbers since like his rookie year. And I'm giving him the benefit of a doubt and saying that's because of the pandemic. It just messed up everything for major league baseball players. You know, they were in spring training. They had to stop. They didn't do anything for like four months. And then they went back into baseball, had like two weeks to get ready for a 60 game season. And it was, it was just a big mess. Um, so, you know, I don't know how much I would give up for Sonny Gray. It wouldn't be much. Um, but I just had the feeling that if we were to go that route, I would be upset with anything that we give up for him. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sonny Gray is going to demand a lot of trade value because he's under contract for the next two years. Yeah. with a team option in 2023 and he's getting paid right around $10 million a year. And his yeah. production the past few years has been far exceeding at that pay grade that he's getting. So the Reds, they're, they're trying to clear payroll. They're trying to rebuild a bit after a very disappointing 2020 season. I still think that if it was a full 162 game season, they were going to win that division, but they got, uh, they got screwed with a very bad start when the Cubs got a very good start and they ultimately didn't win the division and instead had to face the Braves instead of the Marlins in the first round. And as we saw in the playoffs, there's a big gap between those two teams. So Sonny Gray is going to demand a lot of trade value. So is Blake Snell. I don't really see the Padres getting either two of those guys, but certainly wouldn't be upset. But uh, those guys, they're, they're very talented pitchers. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I just Gray scares me. The 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 lack of innings pitched. He's only gone over two hundred twice and hasn't since two thousand fifteen. It just a pitcher like that scares me because you pay a hefty price and they can blow up. I mean, at the age of thirty one, he's not in the prime of his career, but yet he could still perform. The pitcher like that, there's a lot of risk. There's reward and there's risk, and it's just it's. I don't think that they can afford that. Snell is a, is a is someone with a lot of upside. 
someone who's probably has yet to perform to his best ability, but I don't know if they want to pay the price tag that the Rays are going to have on him because it's going to be hefty. They're going to have to, they're going to oh, have yeah. to more Any trade like that is going to hurt. Um, yes. One more thing about Sonny Gray before we get to Snell. Um, if it means anything, uh, Fangrass projects him to begin declining after 2021. Yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I mean, it's it's it comes to it comes down to cost more than anything, and whether or not it does something that that they need or an excess of prospects or an excess of players, and and then it makes sense. But they have Morhone, they have Patino, they have Gore, they have Baez, they have young pitchers that need an opportunity. So you can't restrict them and take away every. Uh, position in the starting rotation, they're, they, they're going to have to leave the four and five spot open for, for these guys to get an opportunity to pitch, or they're just going to have to trade them while their value is still high because you let Patino, Gore, uh, Morhone toil and, and pitch in and out of the bullpen for the next year, suddenly their value is, is minimal at best because yes. people have seen them and know what they can do. Right now, they're their prospects with unlimited upside, they, they could be the next big thing. And now's when the Padres have to internally just evaluate them and make the decision on which are we going to ride with and which are we going to deal while there's still potential. Morahone boosted his value tremendously this year. He could be dealt this year because the Padres just really haven't seen a lot of, com- or shown a lot of confidence in him. And that, that to me is a sign that they're skeptical on his future. He's a, he's a short, smaller statured pitcher, Mechanically wise, he's great, but he just hasn't been extended, hasn't gone the six, seven innings over 80 pitches. And, and that's troubling. And he should be able to do that at some point. I, I, they yeah. might just try to deal him and, and maximize value on him. And and a team could really just value him so so highly and, and deal the house for them. So Prowler's definitely working the lines. There's, there's so many angles. There's so many... Yeah. It, even though they lost trade ships in the Clevenger deal, they still have plenty to deal with. The farm system is still flourishing. So they can basically go any route they want. It's just, they have to choose the correct route. And sometimes that's, that's tough. It really is. Well, I think it would have been very interesting to see how the 2020 season would have panned out over a 162 game season with Adrian Murray home because he might've been able to extend himself a little bit longer, but with the, the shorter season, uh, the Potters were able to not really have that solid five-man rotation. They were able to mix and match him with Patino on a bullpen day and not overextend guys like Marajon and Patino. So it, it's a huge wild card. The Potters have a ton of options to deal with him. Uh, he, he certainly impressed me more than I thought he would. Uh, that arm is lively. That off-speed is disgusting. Uh, I When I... Uh, when I would tell my friends, like, like, oh, who's starting for the Potters today? Like, especially Dodger Dodger fans who were friends before and after the game, but not during the game. Uh, they would ask me, like, who's the guy on the mound today? I'd be like, oh, it's Marijon. He, he's probably got one of the best stuff in the major leagues. Let's just see if he can actually locate it. I mean, sometimes yes. it would, sometimes it wouldn't. And when he got when he got ahead of batters and was able to throw anything he wanted to, he was lethal, but there would be at-bats where you fall behind, especially like we saw against the Dodgers in the playoffs. They would foul off good pitches and then put the bad pitches in play. And it, it'll be interesting to see how he rebounds in 2021 if he does remain a senior Padre, but he does demand a lot of trade value. Another thing about Snell, I just want to go back to him. I mean, he's another guy like Ray. Very team-friendly deal. Uh, 
getting paid right around $10 million through the 2023 season as well. But he's young. He won a Cy Young Award just two years ago in 2018, when he had a 1.89 ERA. 2019 was a struggle, but 2020 was a very good year for him, especially in the postseason. So the Rays, they're, they're doing what they always do. And the A's did this as well with Sonny Gray. Got him on a team-friendly deal, then traded him. Uh, got a ton of value back for him. That's actually who uh, Jorge Mateo is who the, the A's got for Sonny Gray. Now he's in the same of Padre uniform. So that'd be kind of funny to reunite those two. Yeah, there, there's going to be moves. There's no doubt that there's going to be moves. And oh yeah, yeah, there will be. Uh, one of the three young guys, you know, between Gore, Patino, and Morhone, um, one of them is going to find themselves on the outside looking in at the rotation because you know we just we have we have so many starting pitchers. You know, Clevenger and Lamed and Paddock and you know Gore, Patino. One of them is going to have to move or go to the bullpen, and uh, the bullpen is not a destination for any of these guys, but I think more home with like Tampa. Don't you? Yeah. I, He'd be in South Florida. He'd be close to home because yeah, yeah. he's uh, from Miami, right? Uh, he's Cuban from Havana. I mean, I'm sure he has family in in the area. I mean, it's okay. Okay. I, mean, I, I don't know, man. It, it, I, I, I really like what I see from him. I really liked what I saw from him uh, in the end of the year. I mean, he's younger than Gore. I mean, people don't really realize that he's, I think he's three or four days younger than Gore. And, and, you know, he was what, 16 when he signed, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he was young when they signed him. Um, I, you know, they're going to make moves. So we'll, we'll just to, to wait and see. Uh, let's transition into the, to the bullpen a little bit and talk about that. Trevor Rosenthal continues to show his love for San Diego, continues to show his, <laughs> Ambition to be a San Diego Padre. What's taking so long to get this done? I mean, I look at all those tweets that he does, and like all the like, all the all the stuff he posts for Padres fans, and I I think to myself, man, just do it already, you know? Yes, it's, <laughs> just get it done. Yeah, well, he's also he's also posted some weird things with Kansas City as well. He posted oh, he like, "What's your what's your favorite ballpark?" And it was at the Angel Stadium. Who is a team that can certainly use some bullpen help? What is he, Trevor Bauer over here? <laughs> oh, well, gosh. It's, it, it's been Maybe. the offseason of Trevor's. We, we've seen that. <laughs> we saw Trevor May sign with the Mets, which was a great deal for them. That would have been an awesome yeah. figure for the Padres. They needed it more, though, let's be real. And there's also, like you mentioned, Trevor Bauer, Trevor Rosenthal, and Trevor Williams, San Diego product pitcher for the Pitcher Pirates. So if you need right handed arms with the name of Trevor, this is your offseason. The Trevor so, Winter. Well, you know, Yates is still out there. That that's a possibility on, on a friendly deal. Uh they, they do need to bull, to strengthen up this bullpen. Uh, you know, signing both of them would be amazing. Uh I, I but I, I think Rosenthal is the is the big acquisition that needs to happen. I mean, you're talking about a, a guy who's throwing triple digits, a guy who complements uh their their other bullpen arms, if you will. It's it just it it, it it makes sense. I would hope that they're working on it, and, and hopefully that's resolved. Uh, you know, he's not highly regarded when you look at MLB's projections of closers and the top closers. So I think I think this should be done. Um, let's. And also- the Padres have a bullpen of uh, Rosenthal, Pomeranz, Pagan, and Yates. I that mean, would- can they can they have all four of them? I, I got that, no problem. <laughs> if uh, that's um. 
I'm just wondering if uh, that's attainable. I mean, yeah. I would love it if it if is. Egos, if their egos would, would be able to pitch in the sixth or seventh inning, that's understandable. And, and that, that's tough. But I think winning rectifies all all stats and all issues. If they're all being paid well and they're winning ball games and having fun, I think it really doesn't matter if you're pitching the sixth or ninth inning. Well, and there's sometimes the most important outs don't come in the ninth inning. Like we saw Devin Again, Williams, exactly, one of the exactly. one of the best relievers in baseball. Or I mean, he took, he won the Trevor Hoffman Award. He never closed a game for the Milwaukee Brewers. He would get those dirty workouts, like come in. When there was two runners on, they needed two outs from him. You know, yep. one likely strikeouts. Yep. Bring him in. You know, we saw Drew Pomeranz in that role a lot. Now he did closing games with the inconsistencies from Emilio Pagan, Kirby Yates, and those guys earlier in the season. And then, of course, Trevor Rosenthal ended up being the closer for the last month of the year. So closing isn't everything. And those guys, obviously, Trevor Rosenthal's kind of built that closer mentality. He was that closer in St. Louis when they were really good and then closed last year for us in Kansas City. So, I mean, it, bullpen arms are realizing that, hey, not not the best guys are always used in the ninth inning. And if I come in and I don't get those outs in the seventh inning, a closer can't come in and do his work. So the bullpen, as a bullpen pitcher myself in high school, I, I realized that just because I wasn't really closing out big games didn't mean I wasn't just as important as the closer. I had to get my outs just as much as they had to. There's is just more recognizable if they blow the game in the ninth than if I blow it in the seventh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just a modern uh, growth of the game, if you will. And, and sometimes the eighth inning, you go through the three, four, five hitters, and, and that's when the game is won or lost. And it, it makes sense to have three or four competent pitchers that can end a game and close the game out for you. And, and uh, the Padres are working towards that. I mean, Castillo could be back next season and performing well. That's another name to, 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 to look for. Uh, Baez could be an option in the bullpen. Wing enter could be uh, pitching next year and performing. Uh, they have options. They have pitchers. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting what Preller does uh, this off season. Um, last topic I have to discuss uh, before we get out of here is the reshuffling of the minor leagues. Uh, unfortunately, the San Diego Padres uh, are no longer affiliated with the uh, with the. Uh, it's tough to say the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Uh, losing Austin here is is big for us personally. Uh, you know, Austin was at eighty to ninety percent of the Sod Poodles games for us their inaugural year. Um, unfortunately we lost him as coverage. We are now a affiliate of the San Antonio missions is, are they still the missions? They are still the missions, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. San Diego Mission, funny because that's where we came, where the Padres came from. Uh, yep. the double affiliate is now the San Antonio missions. Uh, the short season season, the short season team in uh, Washington is no more. The Tri-City Dust Devils are no longer going to be Padres affiliates as well. Uh, it looks like everything else is going to be remain the same. Uh, the um, A leagues are flip flopping. Uh, single A uh, and High A are flip flopping, which is another strange thing for the Padres. Now Padres are not going to have. Well, I mean, I guess they can still send rehabbing guys to Lake Elsinore to rehab, but they're going to be at Low A now instead of High A, and it's it's just kind of funky for them. Um, give me your thoughts on the minor league baseball, which is really, really struggling. I, I talked to a bunch of minor leaguers 
few of them are are really having a hard time getting through this 2020 season. A, a lot of these guys aren't bonus babies and, and didn't make millions of dollars uh, in June when they were drafted. Uh, a few of these guys are working with their family businesses, working in just working out when they can. It, it's just trying on all levels for Major League Baseball, but I think the minor leagues have been hit the hardest. Uh, guys, give, give me your thoughts on on – on the minor league baseball situation and, and uh, I guess the, the new affiliates for the Padres, man, I miss the sod poodles. That's, that was such a nice, cool name. They won the championship their first year and now they're gone. Yeah. Um, can I go first? Yeah, go for it, Mike. The conditions that minor league baseball players are subjected to should be considered criminal. Yeah. Major yeah. league baseball should be considered criminals for the things that they do to these guys. These are guys and people will say all the time, if you can't make ends meet, go out and sick, go out and get a second job. Well, you can't do that when you spend all day at the ballpark. You know what else you can't do when you spend all day at the ballpark, anything else to make money to go out and buy just a little more food to get you through the week instead of the loaf of bread and jar of peanut butter that you used your last bit of money on to get to the next week. You know, it's just, it's, it's so terrible. And I, and now they're just downsizing the minors and, you know, I, I really hate talking about this because I just can't stand the way these guys get treated. Yeah, no, it sucks for these guys. I mean, I I don't see where major league baseball is benefiting. I mean, they make hundreds of million dollars during every single regular season. And then one year they they don't make any money and then all of a sudden everything just folds it's really awful business uh you know you got to treat your employees like people and not like property and assets unfortunately that's not what they're deciding to do it's tough the minor leagues don't really generate a ton of money for them so i mean i get it from a business point of view but at the same time uh you're, you're really cutting off a ton of employees not just from your from your farm, but from the cities and growing the game is something that baseball's talked about a ton. I thought they did a better job on social media this year with promoting itself, but this doesn't help with that because all of a sudden you're taking these small communities to have these baseball teams and you're saying, all right, oh, well, you're gone. And then these teams don't, these cities don't have teams to root for anymore. They can't really get into baseball. And it's not just them going to, going to those games, all of a sudden they're, they're invested in these players. And like we, we've heard so many times with players who come through El Paso, El Pasoans love the Padres because they see these guys come through El Paso and then they go to the Padres and they get to see them on sports center, but not at night watching them hit home runs and whatnot. So baseball is losing a lot of popularity in that aspect as well. It's disappointing. Thankfully the Padres are keeping some of their teams uh, it was sad to see the city of Amarillo uh, rally around our minor leaguers and then to lose them after one year sucks. But San Antonio, not too familiar with how they treated the Padres prospects back there. But hopefully they get to uh, be, re-become Padre fans again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, I think a lot of fans don't necessarily realize how the minor leagues are, how they work. They think that the minor league franchises are structured out or are divisions of the San Diego Padres. And, and that's not, how not it is. No. they're individually run. 
separate entities that have to go by separate budgets and 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 do whatever they need to do to succeed and then they sign like free agent contracts as a as a franchise with each each major league team and it's it's really complicated uh, something needs to be done to rectify the situation uh, I, I don't think that this is up on the on the collective bargaining agreement that or a major topic but i think that it's going to be eventually because eventually a team like the yankees can certainly afford to to own their own minor league teams and take care of them, make sure that their minor leaguers are eating properly, make sure that they're training properly. And and, in this regard, you can't, you, you go out and you're, you make, you, you have this separate franchise minor league division and and you're counting on them to properly groom your players. I mean, yes, you can go and, and, and be there and, and do what you need to do, but it's just, it's complicated. It's doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem like it needs to be this complicated but it is. And, and I guess this is the way it's always been done, but things need to change. I mean, we've talked already earlier in the podcast about how society is changing. And, and this is another example of it. You can't mistreat players like that and can't treat them like commodities. And slowly teams are starting to realize that and, and yeah. rectify the situation. And, and like, not only that, but also it, in some cases it continues even at the major league level, because look at the extension that Ronald Acuna got. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He is vastly underpaid. And, yeah. but, you know, but at like, the time he, he's just, he's hamstrung because he wants to take yeah. care of his family. He wants to take yeah. care of, he sent money home. He was, yes. yeah. Because I mean, like his, uh, his uh, teammates in the minors were saying, like, yeah, he was really struggling because everything he got, he sent home to his family, yes. you know, yeah. and then it's like they, he just sees a bunch of zeros in front of him. And he's like, oh, wow. This, that's, this fixes that's everything. Changing money. Yeah. His, yeah, exactly. His kids but are going to be is. effective, are going to be comfortable for the rest of their lives with that kind of money. And that's yeah. great for him, but yeah. you're right. Shame on the he Braves under- for doing that. Shame, shame on Atlanta for doing that. That is garbage. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that is to, to vastly underpay a superstar like that. It's just garbage. Yeah. All because, yeah. all because you can, because you know, he's going to take it. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And thank God that Fernando Tatis it comes from a family that's already well off if you will they already have money he's not impoverished in any way or shape or form he's not he doesn't have to take a hundred million dollar contract 10-year contract by the Padres he's gonna get his fair value and I think that's where we're at right now I think Preller spoke this afternoon as a matter of fact saying that that was the number one priority is extending him and I would imagine that it's going to be a a fair deal it's going to be somewhere in the middle of of uh, half a billion dollars and the hundred million, and it's going to be somewhere where the Padres can still function and, and and sign players, and at the same time, they're paying a superstar what he needs to be paid fair market value. Yes, and that's where we—that's definitely where we need to be. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, Dominic? Any other topics that we should hit on? Uh, I think this has been a productive podcast. With between the three of us, we hammered out a a bunch of relevant topics. No, I mean, I think this was good. It was good to get back, update, you know, Padres fans, what we think of what's gone on within the Padres, surrounding the Padres so far. Yeah. Uh, Sagano, the Japanese pitcher coming oh, in, uh, does that interest any of us? I mean, I, I was listening to Eno Saras. He came on the On Fire podcast the other day. He was yeah. talking about how Sugano's probably going to be in the 10 million target range uh, with teams, and the Padres are amongst one of the teams that are interested in him interested in yeah. him along with the giants and the blue jays I, I i would 
I would certainly be willing to pay Sagano $10 million if I were the Padres. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. Um, I would say it probably, because I think like what you just said is like really all we know at this point, right? Until they start placing bids and actually get in front of them and start talking, we're not going to get any other news, I don't think. Yeah. It's so tough to gauge those those pitchers from Japan and whether or not they're going to be effective. And yeah, it's so it, it, the competition between us and Japan is, I mean, it's not like, you know, wide, but it's, it's still pretty significant, you know? Yeah. And it's some, in some ways that, that favors them because they're, they might throw velocity wise a little, a little slower. They're, they're a little more trickery, if you will. And in the modern age of major league baseball, where it throws 95, uh, essentially if plays, but they have to have thick skin. They have to be able to perform in a, in another country where they're not familiar, where they're not comfortable. And, and that's something that you can't measure until they're actually here and, and, and playing whether or not they're going to have the comfort level to perform at their best ability. And that's tough to gauge. If I'm the Padres, I, I, I would probably want to stay away from, from that because of the uncertainty and the fact that you have young pitchers that that need an opportunity and you don't want to hamstring them by bringing in a, an enigma that, that you just don't know what you're going to get. But again, you never know what Preller's thinking. You never know what he's doing. That's just my two cents. I don't know much about Sugano. I haven't obviously talked to him or seen much video yeah. on him. Uh, it appears we might already have a topic for the next one. Preller spoke about Camp Usano today. He doesn't, ex they're expecting him to be ready to go for spring training. Um, they don't expect his legal troubles to interfere with his ability on the field. And they think he's learned from his experience. So sure. Camp Usano is back in play. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm pro marijuana or cannabis as, as a next guy, but sometimes you rules, gotta, rules, man, you know, you got, yeah, just, you gotta be smart. And yeah, you, know, you have to be smart, especially when you're an athlete who's about to make millions of dollars. I mean, yeah, like, no, I will smoke pot for $10 million a year. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'll be the most sober guy on the planet. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I don't think this is a big deal. We, we talked about this. I mean, it's come to the point where the, these laws are stupid. I mean, at this point, yeah. but at the same time, like you guys mentioned, you gotta, you gotta follow the rules. He didn't, he got caught. We'll see how it, he seems to think that he'll be fine. So look forward to watching him. Cause I mean, the, the one game, I guess he technically did play in two games. He got to play in two games last year with the game lead at the home run in Oakland. And then he struck out in either the eighth or the ninth inning in game three of the NLDS, the one that eliminated the Padres. So I hope he'll be available. You know, you got to take Preller's word with a grain of salt after the Clevenger incident. So yeah. we'll see. I, I hope I he's just, right on this one. I hope he's right on the Met, but. I just we'll, thought of something. If the Rays make any trade with the Padres, they're going to want Campusano because their biggest need is catcher. Right. If if Campusano is back in play and ready to go for spring training, that means he's also back in play in any negotiations, possibly. He he just made a dumb move. I mean, yeah, I mean he's like what twenty years old. He's a kid, you know. It's just, but I mean, if you're young, in, he's you're young, you did something dumb. You're in Georgia. You 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 can't have that much weed in your car. You shouldn't yeah. have that much weed in your car at four o'clock in the morning, driving around. I mean that you. 
why are you out at four o'clock in the morning anyway? Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. so many, so many. Haven't, but young. He's has he young not kid. ever watched? Has he not ever watched How I Met Your Mother? Nothing, ever, nothing good ever happens after two a.m. Come on. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a common rule in life. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. That's that's things like that speak about maturity, and I'm sure the Padres are questioning his maturity level and. Hopefully he he learns from this because you you just you have to conduct yourself in a professional manner when when kids and when other players and other people are looking up to you and that that's just not the way to to, to conduct yourself and hopefully that's not an example of of the future from Luis Camposano because the, the the ability is is just tremendous from him. I think we're good to go, man. I I, I really enjoyed the podcast. Thank you, Mike, for coming on and and, and shooting the show. That was a lot us. of fun. It felt yeah. good to do this again. You know. Yeah. It's it's sometimes it, it kind of energizes yourself about the the franchise, yeah. the state of the. Podcast. I mean, I just feel. I mean, guys, honestly, I feel better than I have in a while. Awesome. I mean, awesome. yeah. So yeah, if you want me on again, I will happily come. I love nice. doing this. Definitely. So. We 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 uh, unfortunately uh, Dominic had a lot of school work in the last couple of weeks, so we kind of neglected. Yes, mm-hmm. we. Of we, course, yeah. The, the, yeah, the, school the, comes the, first. Yeah. But you know we're we're regimented now. We're going to be more regimented. We have another show scheduled. Uh, the uh, really, this, uh, I will give you guys a clue, and the clue is number thirty-five. Uh, that's the only clue that you get. I usually Something don't to do with Hosmer. I don't like yeah, Randy like, Jones. I don't like to to, to talk about Mister Randy. I don't like to talk about uh, our guests beforehand, but uh, okay, that, that is your clue, fans. Look for that. Uh, okay. That should be out uh, shortly. Oh, Mister Randy. All right, folks. Uh, Mike, again, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, awesome, awesome show. Uh, Dominic, go ahead yeah. and take that out of here and uh, and wrap our show for us, please. Yes, thank you all for tuning into episode 129 of the East Village Times podcast. Like James mentioned, we will be coming to you at a more regular schedule, including another episode later this week. We thank you for tuning in on behalf of Mike, James, and I. You can follow us all on Twitter, follow us at EVT Podcast, follow our website at EVT underscore news. Follow me at DMster19, James at EVT underscore J Clark, and Mike at, at Mike Ursary, all on Twitter. We thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you guys next episode.